I had a special moment happen in my week this week, okay? I had a special invitation to the Shadowlands beta. Now I'm looking at Danielle, she's like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I'm a long-term World of Warcraft player, okay? And every two years, World of Warcraft introduces a new expansion where they add new zones, new bosses, new mechanics, higher level cap to the already existing game. And the next expansion that's coming out is one that's called Shadowlands. And the beta is they give certain people access to the game so they can play it, experience it, test it, give feedback on some of the things that might be broken or some of the things that might be too strong and need to be reduced. Anyway, they give certain people access to the beta and most people, they want in. Because it's not an open beta where everyone gets in, it's a closed beta where only specific people get in. Put a five in chat if you've ever had access to a, a good old closed beta. Actually, you can't put a five, put some kind of emote, okay? But I've never really had a chance to get in a closed beta before. So this is a big moment for me. Big moment when I found out that I had access, Photoshop Freak, member of the community, messaged me because she had got her invitation, and she said, you should check if you had yours. Now, all along, I've been waiting for my invitation, and what I didn't know was that all along, I actually was already invited and I just didn't check my junk email and see that I was invited to the Shadowlands beta. So I got in, been playing on stream, and it's epic. And as a pastor, I relate to it and really love the storyline of it because the whole expansion is based on the afterlife. It's really, really cool. For years in World of Warcraft, in every video game, right, you die. But then there's obviously that question of like, well, what happens like after you die? What happens when you leave Azeroth, which is the World of Warcraft world? What is the afterlife really like? And as a pastor in 2020, maybe some of you can relate, a lot of people have been having some thoughts about the afterlife this year. A lot of people have been wondering, is the end of the world coming? Is COVID the end of the world? Is it happening? Is this the end due to COVID? And people are sincerely asking these questions. And a lot of people, which is tragic, have actually lost their lives this year. Hundreds of thousands of people, I think even just in the U.S., we're up to like somewhere around 220,000 people have lost their lives. And it's a big deal. And it poses a real question of, what is the afterlife? Is it real? And if it is, what is it actually like? And so today I want to have an important conversation about what is a really important principle of what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. And so what I want to do is I want to use Shadowlands as a parallel to what I believe we can learn from the Bible. So I've entitled my message today, Shadowlands, Five Lore Lessons About Eternity. And I want to look at the lore, the story and background of what Shadowlands is teaching and parallel that to God's, parallel that to God's word, the Bible, and to see what we can learn. But before we even dive in, I want to preface to every single one of you, because I know that eternity can be a tricky subject. I know that it can be a sensitive topic, and I want to show you that this message right from the get-go it's not meant to condemn you. It is meant to bless you. It is meant to give you hope, to give you encouragement. And I pray in Jesus' name that for some of you, it will even save your life. Not just here on this earth, but for all of eternity. And I want you to know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, Jesus Christ already gave his life to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, and three days later rose from the grave so that no matter who you are or what you've been through, you can experience afterlife in heaven. 
No matter what you've done, no matter the things that you've thought or seen or done, they do not disqualify you from what Jesus has already done for you. And I pray in Jesus' name that this message will not condemn you, but rather it'll bless you. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Today, God, first and foremost, we thank you so much that you've already secured a place for us in heaven. For those that will call upon the name of Jesus to make you Lord and Savior, thank you that we can be saved. Thank you that you invite us to be a part of your family. And today, God, we ask you to help us open up our minds and open up our hearts to hear your word, to learn truth about what it teaches about the afterlife, about heaven, about hell, and about what you ultimately, God, desire for us to spend eternity with you. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's play that video. First of all, GG's to Blizzard, because it's like one of the craziest cinematics I've ever seen, okay? Let me explain some context of what you just witnessed. That is the cinematic storyline that leads us to what will be the expansion of Shadowlands. Now, honestly, if you don't understand it, it almost looks like the guy in the ground is the bad guy, and the girl is the good guy, and she defeats him, and she's going to set everyone free. Wrong. 
She's actually the bad guy. He was the good guy. That is Silvanus, and she is taking us to the afterlife. She's taking us to the Shadowlands, not because she wants to save everyone, but because actually she wants to condemn everyone. And when you saw the sky break, that was the realm between our world and the afterlife breaking. And that leads us to where we're going to dive in today, to the Shadowlands. And I want to point out five things that I think we can learn about eternity from this. And the first is that we're going to learn about Arbiter's Judgment. Now, I want to read to you a description from Blizzard on who the Arbiter is. You're going to see a picture of me and Arbiter on the screen. And it says, Arbiter, when a mortal dies and their soul crosses the veil between life and death, it is shepherded by the Kyrian to the Oribis so that they can be judged by the impassive arbiter. All of the soul's contents, deeds, misdeeds, thoughts, and accomplishments, and failures are instantly laid bare before the arbiter, who then judges in a mere instant and sends the soul off to one of the infinite realms of the Shadowlands, each of who was ruled over by a powerful covenant right from the gecko of Shadowlands, you will be approached by the great arbiter. And you will, in your character's life, lay bare everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, and will be judged accordingly. If you understand the Bible, you begin to see God's realism being interwoven into the culture without people even realizing. It's crazy how these biblical theological principles make their way into non-Christian aspects of life because God's word is true and it's real and eternity is real. And although what we're talking about here is a fictional judgment, there is a real judgment that is coming for all of humanity, for me, for you, and it will not be done by an arbiter. It will be done by God. The only one who was actually qualified to judge. When you've been judged by someone, maybe you might think, well, who are you to judge me? You've done wrong too. But what qualifies God to be judged is he's never done wrong. He's never sinned. He's never disappointed. He's never done wrong. He is the only one who is able to judge. We mentioned months ago that Jesus is the perfect balance between grace and truth, but he is also the perfect balance between mercy and justice. And every single one of us, we will stand before a holy God and we will answer and take an account and be judged into eternity by the things that we've done. I want to read to you this account. Matthew 25, 31 to 46, our main scripture that we're going to bounce back and forth from today. And this is about the final judgment. When the Son of Man, being Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on a throne, on a glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king, being Jesus, 
will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. But then the righteous, those who Jesus put on his right, they're almost confused, and they'll ask the question, well, but Jesus, verse 39, when did we see you in sick in prison and visit you? When did we see you in need of all these things you just mentioned? Verse 40, then the king Jesus will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Here Jesus is explaining that the things that you do to serve other people are as if you were doing them to serve Jesus himself. And the life that you lived in service to God, when you're a blessing, when you sacrifice for others, it's like you're doing that for Jesus. But then Jesus in verse 41, he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. And I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also, in confusion, will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and that we didn't help you? Jesus will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now we're talking about Shadowlands, which is obviously a fictional event. But what I've read to you here is from the truth of God's word of a real event that will really take place for me, for you, when we will stand before a holy God and answer for everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, everything you didn't do. And depending on our decision to either say yes to follow Jesus and allow him to forgive us of our sins, it will determine whether we will be placed on his right or placed on his left. That the right will go to heaven and that the left will spend eternity in what the Bible said, eternal punishment. Now I want to be clear. This is not a distinction of the good versus the bad. This is not a video game. This is not a fictional story. It's not good on the right, bad on the left. I want to be very clear. Both sides are bad. All of us, including me, have sinned against a holy God. And Jesus, in my judgment, will spend however long it takes reminding me and because he is justice and worthy to bring up my flaws because he doesn't have any, 
he will lay before me all the reasons that I deserve to be on the left. And then he will remind me that because of Jesus, I get to be on the right. It's not a matter of good or bad. It's a matter of all of us deserve to be on the left for all of eternity. But because of what Jesus did for you, even though when we are judged by the thoughts that I've had, the lies that I've told, the people that I've hurt, it will qualify me to be on the left. But because Jesus paid the price for me, because he took my place on the cross, died for my sins, I get to be on the right. And I want everyone here to know the left is real. That hell is a real place. And without Jesus, it will be our eternity. But Jesus, not is going to, has already made a way for you to be on the right in paradise, in glory. And even in Shadowlands, we see that one of the first things that we will do is stand before a judge and take account for what we've done. But not just in fiction, but in real life. And I pray in Jesus' name that these things will help you to realize that one day I will answer for who I am and what I've done. Am I ready for it? Am I ready to take account? Have I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, not so that I can be qualified as good or bad, but so that I don't have to be on the left like I deserve to be? God desires that all would be on the right, but first, we will stand before a holy judge. The second thing that I think the Shadowlands teaches us about eternity is that right now, there's an unknown release date. Like, there was a point where Blizzard had decided World of Warcraft Shadowlands is coming out. I believe the date was October 26th. And they had a map laid out. There was time zones. There was a picture so people could see online, like, no matter where you live in the world, this is when the expansion is coming out for you. But then, unfortunately, COVID hit. And things changed. And some of the time zones, unfortunately, they're not happening anymore. Shadowlands is not coming out on these dates anymore. And right now, the game has been postponed and delayed. And right now, we're in this waiting period. When's Shadowlands coming out? When are we going to the afterlife? And nobody knows. And I think this is real life. Shadowlands is coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. And I've come to declare to you that ready or not, eternity is coming your way. Eternity is the reality and the destination for all of us. And there are two ways in which you will step into it. One is that no matter who you are, how much money you have, how successful you have, or unsuccessful you are, all of us are assured death. We will all one day leave this earth. We will all have an expiration date. But then what? Then what? I've had conversations with many people nearing the end of their life who start getting curious about eternity. 
Well, you know what? I've spent my whole life not really concerned about what's next. But now that the reality is coming and they feel like they have a warning, they start thinking. But for many of us, eternity could come without warning. I don't want to instill fear in you, but I want to instill caution in you that eternity, it's coming. On my way home today from church, I could be hit by a car and I could step into eternity. All of us have an expiration date and we will all step into eternity, but we don't know the release date. We don't know when. We don't know when. We don't know when it's coming. And at any moment, I could log on Twitter and Blizzard could say, Shadowlands is coming your way on this date. And if only that happened for eternity, I think that many of us would live a little bit different. If we knew at this point in history, I'm stepping into eternity, you might spend more time with your family. You might start being a nicer person. You might start thinking about, do I get my life right with God? But unfortunately, there is no update. There is no live stream or announcement that will tell you when eternity is coming. But ready or not, it's coming. You will either step into eternity one of two ways. One is through your death, and two is through the second coming of Christ. This may be a new topic for many of you that will probably leave you with more questions than answers. So over the next few minutes, you're going to hear me use terminology like the rapture, tribulation, second coming of Christ. And for many of us, this will be a healthy reminder, but for some of us, it's new information. And so I want to encourage you, about three years ago, I did a multi-week series on what some people would call the end of the world, entitled The Epic Return of Christ. And when we have this conversation, it's going to leave you with some questions that we won't have time to really dive into today, because if you understand what's called eschatology, the study of end times, the end of the world, it is a multi-month, multi-year sermon series that all of humanity is really still trying to figure out. It's one of the great mysteries of God. So I encourage you, after this service, next week, head over to YouTube and look up our sermon series, The Epic Return of Christ. But to give you a recap on it, there will be a moment, a real, not Shadowlands fictional moment, real moment when what's called the rapture will take place. And Jesus will take up to himself those who are following and serving him. I'm going to read the scripture to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That means that those who are dead, but who followed Jesus during their lifetime, they will be brought up first. Momentarily after that, verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and following Jesus, when this event happens, we will be caught up together with them to meet them in the clouds and the Lord and the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever for all of eternity. And you might be asking, well, when? Matthew 24, verse 36. But about that day, or hour, 
No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, not even Jesus, but only the Father being God. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, which is a name for Jesus. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other will be left behind. Two women will be grinding with a hand uh, at a handmill, and one will be taken up, and the other will be left behind. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day or hour that the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house, if he had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Right now, nobody knows when Shadowlands is coming out. But right now, we're in a season called pre-patch. What they do before every major expansion is they bring a pre-patch, which brings some beginner changes to the game to let you know, one, the expansion's coming, but two, so you can begin to prepare for it. You might level up some new characters. You might start farming some gold so that when the expansion drops, you have, you have gold to buy items and buy new gear. You might start leveling up your gear or your legendary cloak so that when you have to level from 50 to 60, you're stronger than other people of lower gear. The point is the pre-patch is intended to prepare for what is to come. And right now, friends, we are living in the pre-patch. The expansion, Shadowlands, Afterlife is coming. We don't know when. The hour, nobody knows. But you must be ready. It's said that if the person knew that a thief was coming to their house, man, he would have locked the doors. He would have barred the windows. He would have prepared for what was coming. My question is, are you preparing for Jesus to return? Are you preparing that at any moment you could step into eternity, whether it be through your death or his return, ready or not, you will see Jesus and you will take account and be judged for the things that you've done. Here on this earth, are you getting ready? Are you preparing your heart fleeing from a lifestyle of sin? What are you doing during the pre-patch to prepare for the expansion, for the afterlife that is to come? The third thing that we see from the lore of Shadowlands that'll help us understand about eternity is we learn about the Maw. Now the Maw is a very specific area that we will get to go to in Shadowlands, and I wanna read Blizzard's description of what the Maw is. The Maw is one of the realms of the Shadowlands. This horrific place houses the most vile 
and irredeemable souls in all of existence. The Maw is ruled by the enigmatic jailer, and the Maw inspires nightmares and legends even among the citizens of the Shadowlands. No one has ever escaped this vile place, and any foolish person who is foolish enough to venture here will never be heard from again. Even non-Christian development companies understand the principle of good and evil, heaven and hell. And in Shadowlands, this is obviously a fictional place. But I've come to tell you that although the Ma might not be real, hell is. It's a real place. And God really doesn't want you to go there. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that you could be placed to his right. So that you would never experience what was only intended to be the punishment for sin of the Satan. I'm going to read to you Luke 16, 19 to 31. This is a parable that Jesus is teaching. A parable is often a story that is used to teach a principle or prove a point. Starting in verse verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and in fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, which is in heaven. Now the rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham from far away with Lazarus by his side. To help you understand this story, this is the rich man in hell, in torment, looking far away, not at another place in hell, but metaphorically speaking, looking all the way up to heaven to see where Lazarus and Abraham were. Now, we believe this story to be a parable. We do not believe that actually in heaven or hell, we will actually be able to see one another. We do not believe that in heaven, you will actually be able to see hell. Heaven will be a place of joy and peace, and it would not be peaceful to look down and to see some of the people that you loved in torment. But we cannot fully disclose or understand that if whether the people in hell will be able to look up to heaven and see what they could have had. We don't know. But here in this verse, we see the conversation happening. And in 23, it says in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and come cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. 
And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm, a great divide that has been set in place so that those who want to go from, from here to you cannot, meaning you can't go from hell to heaven, nor can anyone cross over from there to us, meaning from, heaven, from hell to heaven. He answered, this is the man in hell, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers, and let him warn them so that they will not also come to the place of torment where I am. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets and the teaching. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes, they will repent and turn to Jesus and understand that he is the way. But Abraham, he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Here we see a parable of a man who had the opportunity to experience what hell would be like. And he got to realize, it is not a place where I will party with my friends. It is not a place that I will enjoy. It will be a place full of regret, full of darkness, full of torment and suffering, gnashing of your teeth. The Bible at times describes it as a lake of fire. And some scholars speculate that it's described as a lake of fire to describe that in hell we might experience two of the worst ways to die, being a lake, drowning, not being able to breathe while at the same time being able to see the surface where you could, and fire being burned alive. Not because God wants you to suffer, but because God is a God of justice. And either you will let Jesus pay the price for your sins, or you will. And we see this man who thought life was no big deal. Well, I'll just live my life the way that I want. I'll just, I think I've got it all together because I'm rich. I have everything that I need who steps into eternity where there is no turning back and realizes I was wrong and starts begging them, go tell my family because I don't want them to end up where I am. A very famous atheist once said, how much would I have to hate people to be a Christian and not tell people how to not go to hell? How much would I have to hate them to have the secret ingredient to experience heaven, but to not share it with people? And this man is begging, I am in torment, and there's no more hope for me, but I pray there's hope for others, that they won't have to experience where I am. In Shadowlands, we see that the maw is a place of torment. But the Shadowlands is fake. But just because the maw isn't real doesn't mean that hell isn't. And hell is too hot. Eternity is too long. And God is too good for you to not receive the forgiveness that Jesus has already purchased for you. The third thing that we learned from Shadowlands is we learned about a place called Torghast. 
Now, Torghast is in the Maw, and I want to read the description from Blizzard on Torghast. The Dark One's seat of power is a place devoid of hope or redemption. Each floor that rises into the endless abyss is more vile and cruel than the last. To climb that tower is to ascend deeper into despair. Once the jailer kept only the most dangerous souls in the cosmos confined in the eternal prison. Torgas is a place that's meant for the worst of the worst. But here is one of the main things and reasons why we are going to the Shadowlands. It's because now some of Azeroth's greatest heroes are also trapped there. And you'll need to rescue them from the jailer's tower before he expends their soul. In Torghast, we as players will come to the rescue because Torghast was created for a very specific group of people. But the problem is, is now that people that were never intended to go there are going there. And as players, we're called to do something about it and to save people from going to a place they were never created to go. I want to tell you today, hell was not created for you. Hell was not created for me. Hell was created for the devil and his angels to eternally suffer the consequence of their sin against the holy God. God loves you and has already made an escape so that you don't have to go to a place that was not created for you. God desires that none would end up in hell. God desires that all would come to repentance and to receive the free gift of life that he has already purchased for you. I'm going to read to you a few verses out of 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord, it will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 14, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you in the wisdom that God gave him, verse 17, Therefore, dear friends, since you have now been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and the fall from your secure position. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Many people will quote this verse, that God desires that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. But when you understand the context of this verse, it has to deal with the fact that eternity is coming, and we don't know when. We don't know when. Torghast was not created for the heroes, and hell was not created 
for you. And in that verse, it starts off saying that the Lord is not slow in the way that you understand slowness. We think, well, what is Jesus waiting for? He's taking his time on his return. He's being so slow. No, he's being patient. The earth and our sins are deserving of the wrath of God, but he is being patient to pour out his inevitable wrath so that more and more and more of you would understand, I want to be on the right. I, although I am deserving to be on the left, Jesus has made a way and the Lord is being patient with you, being patient with mankind so that we can prepare. Torghast was never created for heroes and hell was never created for you. But it is real. And during the pre-patch, we need to practice what World of Warcraft calls recruit a friend. You see, recruit a friend is a principle in World of Warcraft, and you'll even see a picture that it is the incentive that we are rewarded for getting other players to play World of Warcraft with us. You can get some in-game aesthetics, get some mounts, and even get some free game time. World of Warcraft is calling us to make sure that other people come play Shadowlands with us. And God is calling you to recruit a friend to his kingdom so that people don't have to go to a place that was never created for them. Growing up, I attended several different churches. But when I was about 18, I started attending a church in Massachusetts where I had a pastor who till this day spoke in a way that I hope to emulate with love and compassion and with truth. But he had a phrase that cut me to my soul. And he would say, church, I love you, but you ought to be grateful that I'm not God. Because if I was, I would make it a rule that in order to get into heaven, you'd have to bring somebody with you. And I've come to ask you, who are you bringing with you? Are you recruiting a friend to the kingdom? Or have you just been enjoying the pre-patch, waiting for the expansion to come? The gospel, the story of Jesus that saves and restores and redeems, it is not meant to be a story you keep to yourself. Even Blizzard understands it's a blessing to recruit a friend. We are called to go and save and reach so that people never end up in Torghast, so that people don't end up spending eternity in a place they were never meant to be. Spending eternity in a real place of torment and suffering that was never created for them. God does not desire to punish you. He wants to show you his mercy. That's why he sent Jesus. But don't be fooled by his kindness. Do not understand God's kindness for weakness. He is a God of both grace and wrath, mercy and judgment. And he does not desire to pour it out on you. 
But when we refuse to have our sins separated from us, we make a decision to either allow Jesus to be punished for our sins or ourselves to be punished for them. But one way or the other, justice will be served. Who will you let serve it? You or Jesus? Torghast was never created for the heroes of Azeroth. And hell was never created for you. So while we live in the realm of pre-patch, are you recruiting a friend? Are you sharing the story of Jesus? Because eternity is coming. Whether we want it or not, eternity is coming. It's coming for your friends. It's coming for your children, for your parents, for your coworkers. And Jesus loves them all. But he's tasked us with the responsibility to recruit a friend. Some of you might be wondering, Pastor Susie, we've been talking about giving and faithfulness and money and sacrifice for five weeks, and Waymaker Week is coming up, and now we're talking about eternity and about hell? What does this have to do with anything? It has everything to do with everything. The reason that we give, the reason that we sacrifice, the reason that we serve is so that no man gets left behind. So that people don't go to a place that they were never created to be. This is why we do everything. So that people end up on the right. So that every person watching, so that you, your children, your parents can inherit not eternal punishment, but rather eternal paradise. Ready or not, it's coming. Whether I feel like I'm prepared or you feel like you're prepared, no one knows the hour in which the Son of Man will return. No one knows the hour in which I will leave this earth. But in the meantime, this is why we give. This is why we serve. Because I don't want to put so much of my focus on a dot of existence, which is my life, compared to all of eternity. We will live forever, forever, and forever, and we emphasize so much time, energy, and money on this little speck of life that we will live here on this earth. 60, 70, 80 years will pass to the blink of an eye. So where's my focus? Is it on this little section? Or is it on all of eternity? Just like I said two weeks ago, if I were to tell you sacrificing is easy, I would be a liar. But I told you that it's worth it. So that I can bring one more, one more. I want to recruit as many friends as humanly possible and love them and serve them. But what's happening in our church is because of our capacity problem, people have prayed a prayer. Oh, yeah, I said a prayer one time, but I never had any follow-up. Had no one to teach me, no one to disciple me, 
into really becoming a follower of Jesus. So at the day of judgment, I'm caught off guard saying, but Jesus, but, but, but I thought I prayed the prayer. But, but, but I thought I put yes in the chat. It's so much more. And if we don't have capacity to teach, love, and serve people, people will be surprised and caught off at the final judgment seat of Christ. And throughout these past several weeks, and through next week at Waymaker Week, we're going to ask you a very important question. Are you available to be used by God so that no man gets left behind? Are you available to be used by God with your time, with your gifts, with your finances, not for hype, not for incentives, not because it'll be fun, and not even so that I get the self-gratitude and pat myself on the back to know I did a good thing. No, so that no man gets left behind, so that nobody ends up going to a place they weren't created to be. You were not created to spend eternity far from God. You were created to be in a relationship with Him for all of existence. But you're also called to recruit a friend. That's what Waymaker Week is all about. How many more friends can we bring in? And not just bring in, but how many friends can we teach and love and help understand you can't just pray a prayer one time or put yes in the chat and then stand before a holy God and ask, but, but, I, but I, I thought I did all the things. And a man is going to sing a song in a moment, and I pray the Holy Spirit will cut you at your soul to ask you the question, are you available to be used by God so that no man gets left behind?
I hear you call. I am available. I am available. The reason we do all of this, what we've spent several weeks understanding, is asking the question, are you available to answer the call of God, to live your life in a way that helps other people join you in eternity, join you in heaven. And next week, we're going to do Waymaker Week, making a way for people to inherit the kingdom of God who currently have no way because they don't know about Jesus. Will you help make a way where there is no way? And we've been talking about sacrifice. And church, I've not come to ask for your leftovers. Will you join my wife and I, join our staff in making a serious sacrifice? Because if we only give our leftovers, people get left behind. If we do not do everything in our power, we won't be able to recruit a friend. We won't be able to help other people inherit the kingdom of God. And I pray in Jesus' name that God will cut you at your soul and to awaken you to the eternal reality that eternity is coming. And are we ready? And are we helping others be ready? As we close the final thing that we learn from Shadowlands about eternity is covenants. When we arrive in Shadowlands, we will play through the world that's been created for us. But then when you hit level 60, you will have to make a choice. You will have to choose a covenant. There are four areas, Bastion, Ardenweald, Revendreth, and Maldraxxus. And you will get to pick where you go. You get to decide what covenant you make. And there's all kind of mixed opinions. Oh, which one's the good one? Which one's the bad one? But here's what I want you to catch. That even if you realize you've chosen the wrong covenant, in the game, you can still change your mind. You can still realize I'm on the wrong side. I'm on the wrong team. Can I still change my covenant? Now, once you step into eternity, that decision has been made. But I've come to declare to you in Jesus' name that while you still live on this earth, it's not too late to change your covenant. It's not too late to realize I've been living a lifestyle of sin, far from God. But today I realize that he desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance and to inherit eternal life in heaven. Many of you are watching, and many of you here today have never made a decision to say yes to follow Jesus. It's not too late to change your covenant. The Bible says that you are either for him or you're against him. There was a season in my life when I was against him. And while I wanted nothing to do with him, he wanted everything to do with me. He loves you today, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that the sins that you and I have committed, he paid for them instead of you. People don't go to heaven or hell because God loves them or doesn't. 
you get to decide, will I pay the penalty for my own sin or will I allow Jesus to pay it for me? But either way, justice will be served. And it's not too late to change your covenant, to change the way that you've been living, to change the Lord that you've been following. For many of you, it's been yourself, but I pray today you will make Jesus Lord. And if that's you here today, I want to give you opportunity to change your covenant, to say yes to follow Jesus, to make a decision that I don't need to go to Torghast. It wasn't created for me. I can inherit the kingdom of God. Because in Shadowlands, there's a place called Erebus, right in the middle. And it's a place where both Horde and Alliance can go. It's open to anyone who would be welcome. It's actually called a sanctuary. And today, no matter who you are, Horde or Alliance, following Jesus, not following Jesus. You feel like you're good, you feel like you're bad. Jesus is inviting you into his sanctuary and all you need to do is place your trust in Jesus. And I wanna pray a prayer with you that I pray you won't make a one-time thing, but you'll make a lifelong decision. And if you're deciding today to change your covenant, to say yes to follow Christ, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And I ask you, God, to forgive me of all of my sins and to follow you as Lord. Thank you, God, that it's not too late to change my covenant. Help me to follow you, to love you, and to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, can we put an amen in the chat and hype for those that are giving their lives to follow Christ? Amen. Amen. Hey, if you did just accept Jesus Christ, we want to congratulate you for, for the commitment that you're making today. It's an absolutely life-changing decision, as Pastor Susie was saying. And hey, if you guys want to do us a favor and type exclamation point next level in the chat, if you did make that decision today, if you guys type that in the chat, it will bring you to a form. The reason why we ask you to fill out this form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving is so that we can walk alongside you as you start this journey together. It's a big deal. And a lot of people, they accept Jesus Christ. They don't exactly know what that means and what to do at that point. And so they go in there and they're like, I don't know what to do, but we would like to help you along where to start reading in the Bible. How do I pray? Things of that nature. And we would love to be able to help you along in this journey as it's not the end of something, but the beginning of a brand new journey with Jesus Christ.